Hey everybody, Jim Minnery here with Family Matters on a Thanksgiving holiday week. Very grateful that you could be here. There's obviously a lot going on in terms of uh, the election that still hasn't been decided and uh, uh, those that are fighting still for an opportunity to get an election that we simply want to feel comfortable with. Uh, We may not like the outcome, but we definitely are not comfortable with the process. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm going day to day, hour to hour almost in terms of um, wondering whether or not there's a shot at justice occurring because, you know, you just want the evidence to be shown. You want... uh, you want everyone to make their their call and to see what transpires, and uh, rather than be pushed aside as irrelevant and you know nothing to nothing to see here, just keep on walking. Um, and so I, th- I think good folks on both sides are are having that discussion, even within the conservative Republican movement. I mean, lots of folks are just saying, "Hey, get over it. We lost, and you know it's time to move on." And and I will be ready. I'm not there yet, not by a long shot, but I will be. Uh, once I see that the evidence, uh, you know, has been um, given the light of day, and I just don't see that being the case uh, now. So, anyway, thanks for joining us on Family Matters. We're going to have a guest today. His name is Levi Erickson, and he's a young guy, actually a friend of my oldest son. He goes to Grand Canyon University, um, and uh, he started a podcast, uh, the Levi Erickson Show. And it's basically all about uh, a young person. He's 19 or 20, I think. And a young person's perspective regarding the intersection of faith and politics. And uh, he's a very fascinating individual. Um, he has a great intellect. And uh, I'm happy to have him on the show today. So hopefully hopefully that'll be something that you enjoy and, and uh, can relate to in terms of those in your life who are in that younger generation and how they're trying to wrap their head around what's going on in our culture today. So what I wanted to do right now in this first segment is to simply uh, read the proclamation from, uh, because it's Thanksgiving Day week or Thanksgiving week, I just wanted to read the original proclamation from President uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. You know, between 600 and 850,000 Americans died in the Civil War, uh, the uh, war between the states. Most of those individuals, uh, you may not know, died of disease. Uh, and this year, obviously, we're in, in very much divided times, you could say, and, and more than 250,000 have died of COVID-19. And, you know, you could debate on whether or not all of those were, uh, you know, the um, were another issue underlying underlying condition that they had, whether it's diabetes or a heart attack, a heart issue or whatever. But the reality is that there's a massive number of deaths that have occurred and, and a lot of sadness and grief. And so um, these words, I think, are important for us to hear at, at a time that was similar in terms of the division in the country and the death. So here's, uh, here's Abraham Lincoln's um, address, the first Thanksgiving proclamation. This year, he says... Um, the year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies to these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are so of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever watchful providence 
of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed. And harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union, needless diversions of wealth and strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements and the mines, as well as as well of iron and coal, as of the precious metals, have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege in the battlefield, and the country, rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor, is permitted to expect continuous of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged, as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent, beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. In testimony whereof, I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Done at the city of Washington this third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1,863, by the President, Abraham Lincoln. So that's that's pretty amazing um, to think about how one can be so grateful uh, and at such a, um, you know, contentious, horrific, divisive time, and yet that's what we're called to be um, because our circumstances are always going to change. Uh, that's why God is not necessarily interested in our happiness, which has to do with happenings. He's more interested in us being content. And, uh, and that has to do with our heart and, as it, and it being aligned with um, a creator who cares for us and knows all of our shortcomings and um, and also that we're made in His image, and so that we might be a reflection of Him during this time of Thanksgiving uh, this week. And to those who disagree with us, you know, as as I mentioned, uh, you know, you wake up daily trying to figure out right now what's true, uh, what's been you know deleted or censored uh, from the media sources that we are 
following. And uh, that's a very real thing. I believe that. But at the same time, you know, our, our truth uh, that we're seeking in the media and through alternative sources nowadays in terms of social media, um, our truth really only comes from one source, and that is through God Almighty. And uh, that's never changing. He is omniscient, He is omnipotent, and He is omnipresent. And uh, we are privileged to be in this country, to be in this state, and to be in the family of God. So we, we, we just wanted to pass that along to you as Alaska Family Council and Alaska Family Action. Thanks so much to our sponsor, Rieger Physical Therapy. That's P Rieger, P-T-R-E-G-E-R-P-T.com. Go on, give him uh, um, some business um, uh, throughout the, the end of this year and, and throughout uh, 2000 or 2021 because he's aligned with what we do, and we thank him so much over there. Guys, we'll be right back with Levi Erickson here on Family Matters. Thanks so much. Welcome back, Jim Minnery, with another episode of Family Matters. As I mentioned earlier, we are blessed to have uh, someone who I've known for some time now, who's a, a friend of my uh, oldest son, and Levi Erickson. I want to thank you for joining us today on Family Matters. Thanks for having me on, Jim. Okay, so folks are going to be uh, unaware of who Levi Erickson is for the most part. There'll probably be a few folks tuning in uh, that will know who you are and what you're all about. But why don't you give folks an, uh, a quick update of who Levi Erickson is and what brought you to this place right now where you're running a conservative podcast and uh, just get, kind of give folks an idea of who Levi Erickson is. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's uh, kind of crazy. I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska my whole life. I uh, went to Grace Christian School, then I transferred into Grand Canyon University here in Phoenix, Arizona. This is where I'm at now. And I've always really been interested in politics, theology, philosophy, all of those subject matters. And uh, I've always really wanted to have a like podcast or some sort of platform to actually be able to discuss those ideas with different people and uh, uh, express my own opinions. But it never really was the right timing, and I didn't really want to um, go 50% or not even 90%. I wanted to do it 100%. But one of the things that was preventing me from doing that was I simply didn't have the, the finances as a, as a college student. So I, uh, I was praying a lot about it and God put it really on my heart that I needed to pursue it. I was like, God, I don't have the, the money for this. And, uh, right the next day, or maybe it might have even been the same day, um, a check came in the mail for, just about as much money as I needed to actually do the podcast. So it was, it was truly a miracle. And, and, uh, I've been doing that ever since. Okay. So you mean like a check came in, you were asking folks to help you or you just happened to get some money from, from like mana from heaven. Did you have any idea that it was coming? Or? It was, no, I had no idea it was coming. I didn't ask money from anyone. My, it was actually, it was sent to my home address in Anchorage and my dad like sent me pictures. Like, did you know this check was coming? And it said it came from the CARES Act, but I was asking my friends, and no one got that money. It was it was like two thousand plus dollars, and no one in in college or I've never heard of anyone getting that money from the CARES Act, and it just was completely random. And uh, so it it was truly, I believe, an answer to my prayers. That's amazing. Uh, 
Yeah, God works in mysterious ways. He works through uh, ways that we oftentimes are, are uh, hesitant to embrace and, uh, and often ways that are just confusing because he, he likes to confound, confound the wise. And, uh, and so that's, that's really amazing. What, so, so what, what, what's your, what are you studying right now in, at Grand Canyon? Right now, I'm double majoring in business administration and accounting. So none of the things that I enjoy talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really cool because uh, you know I ended up landing in this position of mine where, you know, I, I actually uh, got out of college and in, in a marketing degree and uh, worked in, uh, in in several different jobs, primarily uh, in advertising and and. Uh, and then I started getting a, a pull um, to go into the nonprofit sector and, and work for many different nonprofits for a while until I realized, you know, I really wanted to, uh, if I was going to ask people for money, which is what you have to do in the nonprofit sector, <laughs> I figured, you know, I'm going to ask people for something that I am truly passionate about. And it happened to be this mm-hmm. intersection of faith and politics in, in starting the Family Policy Council up here in Alaska. And... um so what's your what, what what are your intentions? Is this just kind of a side hobby, or you know do you want to? I mean, it's actually very smart to be getting a, an accounting um, background uh, in in education and in management, and who knows where you might land. But is your long term goal to uh, to be in this arena? I would love to do that. However, I've I've always been uh, more on the safe side of things. That's why, like you mentioned, I'm doing the accounting as my like almost a a financial backup. Um, I would obviously love to be in politics and and God's work full time, but it's really going to be wherever God puts me. Right now, it's just a hobby. If God decides to shape that into something more, I'm all for it, but we'll see where it goes. Wow. uh, Is your intention to get back to Alaska full time, or have you fallen in love with the cactus and the desert and the warm weather? Oh, I can't wait to get back to Alaska. I I love Grand Canyon University. It's a great school, but I cannot be, I'm not a fan of, of the Arizona. <laughs> it's much too hot for me. <laughs> well, and, and my understanding is that there's a number of kids from Grace and Alaska that are at Grand Canyon, including uh, my son's girlfriend, uh, who you know. But uh, is that true? There's a, there's a decent presence of folks from the Great Land that, that are at Grand Canyon? Yeah, it's actually surprising, and it's it's really funny, too, because I'll, I'll meet people, and I'll be like, hey, I'm from Alaska, and uh, they're like, oh, that's cool, I know another person from Alaska, and I'm like, oh, who do you know? I, I probably don't know them, you know, Alaska is a big place, but then more often than not, they'll say the name, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, actually, I do know them. <laughs> so there's there's quite a few Alaskan residents in, uh, in Grand Canyon University right now, and so it was kind of a shocker to me. What is the size of Grand Canyon University? Um... I believe the on-ground school is like 30,000 this year. We're a little, usually we're like 30 to 40,000, I believe. Uh, And our online presence is much, much bigger. Wow, that's amazing. I guess I didn't realize it was that big. I mean, that's similar to an Arizona State or uh, University of Arizona. I mean, that's a a big uh, campus and a big number of folks. And it's a a faith-based school. It's a Christian university. Yeah, that's actually why a lot of people from uh, Grace Christian School in in Alaska go here is because they actually really uh, incentivize uh, people from private Christian schools going to Grand Canyon University because they'll offer uh, a pretty decent scholarship just for attending a Christian private school through high school. 
Yeah, I've I've heard about that as well. I know my son was looking into that. Um, he's now, as you know, at Colorado Christian University. And my understanding, I don't know if it's it's accurate, but there was at one there were at one point, uh, Colorado Christian was the only school, only uh, school of higher education college that was meeting in person, which was a little bit of a shock to me when I first found mm-hmm. that. I don't I don't know if it's still the case right now, but you guys. Are still meeting in person? Is that right? And are there another a number of other colleges that are doing the same thing in Arizona? Yeah, Arizona is is mostly online from from everything I'm hearing. I know that they have different different kind of procedures. For example, at Grand Canyon University, they kind of split the classes in half. So on let's say you have Tuesday and Thursday classes. On Tuesday you'll go in person. On Thursday you'll be online, and then for half the class it'll be vice versa. Um, but yeah, they just have a bunch of different procedures in place so they can keep attending school and then they have like COVID they have some buildings on campus and like their GCU hotel that it's like designated strictly for COVID patients to go there and uh, get better and then they can come back to to school. Wow well let's dive in right here uh, in terms of this intersection we like to say on family matters that uh, we talk about the two things you know not supposed to talk about at family gatherings which is uh, faith and politics (laughs) and those are the two issues that we talk about and, and unapologetically dive right in. So give me, <laughs> give our, give our listeners a sense of uh, how your faith informs your politics. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I grew up actually an, an atheist. And so I came to Christianity through, through questioning and through skepticism and through really diving into like, what are the issues? What is the opposing arguments? And I, I like to think that I take the same principles into when I discover politics. I, I started off not knowing anything. I got really interested about 16, and i just been listening to different people, debating, all that sorts of stuff. Um, and there's, there's definitely some of my Christian principles that come into play in politics, but mostly in terms of, of the values I share. So, for example, like freedom of speech, I believe, is a, is a Christian principle. So I, I take that as one of my highest principles when it comes to politics, that I want to hear people out, I want to hear their arguments. And that if I don't have a good rebuttal to that argument, then either they're correct or I need to come up with one. Oh, that's wonderful. I wish I could say that that was a, a trend uh, in our country right now. Unfortunately, depending on uh, what ultimately happens with this election, we're going to go in the exact opposite direction. As you know, uh, AOC mm-hmm. and Kamala, Kamala Harris and, and Biden uh, uh, unfortunately, are of the the mindset that uh, voices like yours and mine uh, need to be um, need to be shut out, and uh, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that your generation is going to play a key role in serving as a firewall for that. And it's it's truly uh, stunning to me how quick the whole mindset of our country has become in terms of tearing down statues and social mm-hmm. media shutting down views because it's not aligned with Jack Dorsey or, or, or Mark Zuckerberg. And um, it's exact opposite of what the typical liberal mindset has been in years past. I mean, today's uh, Democrat party is not my parent or my parents or my grandparents, especially Democrat party uh, where John mm-hmm. F. Kennedy said, you know, not, not ask, don't ask what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. So it's not just, you know, a handout, uh, AOC saying that we should provide every human 
free um, health insurance and, and free college and free this and free that. Um, but it's also about, uh, you know, completely going in a different direction of saying uh, that the college atmosphere is an experimental laboratory of ideas where, like you said, you discuss these differences and come to some kind of decision or acceptance that you have difference uh, of a difference of opinion on different issues regarding policy mm. and everything else. And yet, uh, are you seeing that? I know it's a little bit uh, different being on a Christian campus, but in your generation, we only have a minute here for our first break, but that's one of the things I want to talk with you at length about is um, the generation that you're in and uh, what AOC and others are trying to push on the American public, which is that there are certain views that are just not acceptable in terms of uh, of having an open air discussion, that they need to be shut down. And is your view that that's that's the case as well? It's yeah, it's definitely not as much on Grand Canyon University's campus, but it for sure is spreading um, even onto this campus. But in the colleges all around Arizona, I definitely see that happening. Well, we'll talk about it in a little bit because there's a lot of examples that we can bring up in terms of, uh, you know, the, the Ben Shapiro's of the world that are getting uh, barred from campuses and, and all that kind of thing. So, uh, Levi, we'll, we'll, we're going to take our first break here, and we'll be right back, folks, with Levi Erickson, a young, uh, a young individual who's taken the time to make a difference. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Jim Minnery with Family Matters. We're speaking with Levi Erickson. He is, I'm assuming, 19 or 20. You're the same age as my son. Uh, and you have what got my attention. I mean, I, I've been around you for a while now and have respected you a lot. But what got my attention was when uh, uh, Duke, my son, told me about the podcast that you're doing. Let's, let's uh, let folks know, first of all, uh, what it is and uh, how they can uh, tune in. Yeah, absolutely. So the primary show is is called the just the Levi Erickson Show. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, Spotify, and now on Apple Podcasts. But it's all being there's other podcasts as well. That Levi Erickson Show is is just me talking about my views on political events. We also have another show called Bias Free News, which is like a really really short segment where under five minutes I just talk about the biggest news stories of the last week, and I don't provide any narrative at all. I just provide the facts and the highlights of the week. And then I do all the narrative on the Levi Erickson show. And then the other podcast that it's the first episode is actually going to be airing this Sunday. It's called Why Christ. And we talk about deep theological issues. We have different guests on the show. And we try to center all the theological issues around the question, why pursuing Christ? Why is Christ unique? And so it's it's a really good discussion. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, you know, we have uh we are a, a unabashedly christian faith-based organization but uh oftentimes in the political realm uh we're told uh not only by uh those in the body of christ that you can't mix politics and faith uh and they'll cry about the separation the wall of separation that i think is misunderstood for the most part uh, mm-hmm. by most mm-hmm. Americans, even of my age, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the reality is that, um, that the country was founded based on the, the idea that the, the government should stay out of 
um, uh, our our ability to worship and to um, and to practice our faith. And yet, what's happening right now uh, is that the government is, and unfortunately, will probably be more so under a Biden administration, um, getting into the church and saying, "Here's what uh, you can and cannot do." I mean, as an example, and this is something I wanted to chat with you about. We're debating as an organization to work with some legal. Uh, groups that we are allied with uh, to push back against this um, ordinance that was recently passed in Anchorage, Alaska by the Anchorage Assembly, which is to say that those who are struggling with their um, uh, uh, sexual orientation or gender identity um, have often utilized uh, counselors and youth pastors and others to say, hey, this is a struggle that I'm facing. Um, I'd like to get some help on it uh, to, to kind of figure out why I have this struggle and what I can do about it. Well, there's an ordinance now that's passed uh, in the Anchorage Ordinance uh, or the Anchorage Assembly a few months ago that said that is now illegal. Uh, according to the Anchorage Assembly, if you provide um, counseling to an individual uh, that is struggling with their same-sex attraction or gender identity and wants that uh, help in terms of counseling, that can no longer be provided. And in fact, they will lose their license if they provide that uh, counseling, which is just baffling to me because it's not as though these individuals counselors are out there mandating that the people that are, are are struggling or in the same LGBT lifestyle have to get this. These are individuals in the lifestyle that are asking for help and not able to receive it now. So it's it's stunning to uh, to see that unfold. And we're debating on, like I said, uh, uh, challenging that legally in federal court. Um, and recently in the 11th Circuit of Appeals, there was a, a similar counseling ban that was implemented in Florida. I think it was Tallahassee. I'm not positive. But ultimately, uh, recently that was uh, overturned. And so basically the 11th Circuit said that's that's not um, at all um, uh, constitutional. It's not at all aligned with the whole idea of freedom of speech so that someone that wants and is seeking that help should be able to receive it. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a path possibly in turning it around in Alaska. I mean, we're in the Ninth Circuit, and as you might know, that's a very liberal uh, court of appeals or, or circuit court. And although it's changed a little bit with some of the tr Trump recent Trump appointees um, or appointments that have been made. Um, but what's your take on that issue, um, the LGBTQIA lifestyle and how that has become so prominent? I know even in the Christian school environment, there are a number of schools uh, that I can name, including Westmont and um, uh, the school, I'm forgetting the name of it now, uh, in um, Chicago. Um, Christian schools across the country have sort of capitulated a little bit on that issue in terms of, well, um, you know, it, in years past, maybe the church has been opposed to um, that, but uh, we need to be more accepting as, uh, as a church. What's your view on the LGBTQ issue? Well, it's it's really sad to to see and and hear happening is is that this idea that the the media has the traditional media at least has really portrayed the right is unsympathetic to their issues and and the left is like their their hero champions. But what's what's kind of ironic about it is you would think that if your if your true heart's content was to 
be able to help those people in whatever shape or form that might be, that you would want to have whatever resource available to those people that they can actually seek it out and they can obtain it so they can get help with whatever they're dealing with, whatever traumas, whatever difficulties they're they're going through. So it's 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 ironic to me that they're viewed as the champions, but yet they're the ones that are actively trying to restrict the amount of help and assistance they can actually get with their uh, either condition or with their mental state or whatever whatever it's viewed as. Um, and instead, they want to force upon them, like almost jam it down their throat, their own prescription to what's going on with them instead of presenting a r- wide variety of different options for them and letting them choose for themselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the way, you know, I've heard it put in the past is, you know, what's just transpired in Anchorage and uh, in other communities, they're they're pushing it in every community that you can imagine, these counseling bans, um, is that the, the, the governmental body has determined what the how the what an appropriate health outcome is for individuals so if if uh, a young person or an older person um says you know what i i i have been in this lifestyle for a while i've tried it i've i've gone with what i think is right for me and i've realized that it's not right um and mm-hmm. it's not something that i feel is causing me to flourish but it, it actually causing damage to me individually i want to uh, work with individuals who can help me with that. They have said, this mm-hmm. governmental authority has said, that is not an appropriate outcome. If you want, uh, so in other words, if, if you are uh, in the heterosexual lifestyle and you're saying, hey, I want to explore the LGBT lifestyle, um, so I can find any counselor that I want that would help me to uh, make that transition, or if it's a gender identity issue, I want to make the transition into another gender, um, Mm -hmm. then you have all the help in the world, but it doesn't go the other way. And uh, it's truly truly sad to see that we've gotten to that place. But do you see from, uh, you know, the perspective of a 19-year-old, your generation that has the wherewithal to be able to see that um, that uh, uh, hypocrisy um, that, uh, you know, everyone should be able to get the help that they want. We should have sort of a live and let live mentality, um, the classic liberal uh, mindset. Do you see that the younger generation has the ability to come to that or are they being manipulated by um, the media and academia and you know, in other areas that have have turned them away from that and, and they just are accepting it? Or, you know, what's your take? Well, it, it's kind of, I'm kind of pessimistic on this issue, particularly because they're not really, like, people in my generation specifically aren't getting any of the resources they need to actually make a good opinion. I think that more information is good, but to the left, unless it's their version of information or their, that leans towards their biases, it's not actually good information. For example, there was a, a, a good book by Abigail Schreier that was uh, released that was just talking about the medical problems and the medical impl- implications that should be considered before uh, a transgender person goes through the, the medical uh, hormone blockers, purity blockers, and uh, actually goes through with the, the transformation. And she was just trying to open a dialogue, and she actually is a, is a supporter of the LGBTQ community, but she was just wanting to make aware to the transgender transgender community, the risks that are involved before they make that uh, enormous decision. And instead of uh, it being accepted, places like Amazon were just 
forbidding it from being sold anywhere. And, and it, it, they just are trying to suppress um, the amount of information we can get. And it's sad to see it not even on almost on the, not even on the governmental level, but also in the private sector, because if we lose both of those, if we lose the culture war and the political war, we really have no no ground to stand on anymore. And young people are going to be easily, easily manipulated by the amount of information they're receiving. Yeah, I can't agree more. I mean, I think politics is downstream from culture and culture really is downstream mm-hmm. from our our faith traditions. Um, mm-hmm. How our culture is formulating their views depends um, very much on the willingness and effectiveness of the faith community to pass along those views in a manner that they feel comfortable uh, discussing with other people. And, you know, I have some friends that are specifically in that arena. Um, we'll talk about that in just a, a, a few minutes or a few minutes, folks. So we're going to take our last break here and we'll be right back with Levi Erickson. Hey everyone, welcome back. Jim Minnery with Family Matters having a really interesting dialogue with Levi Erickson. He has a a podcast and uh, he's uh, he's doing his part to educate, I would say, not only just the youth, but likely others are going to start tuning in. It's weird to see how these things grow and um, the impact that you have. What What's your, um, I mean, I could probably use some advice myself in terms of uh, how you increase the readership or the listenership of podcasts. Have you been, have you dove into that at all? And uh, how are you trying to grow your, uh, your message? Yeah. So my, my primary source I'm using right now is, is simply trying to uh, use social media to my advantage as a young person that's, my forte, I would say. <laughs> so I, yeah. I'm trying to basically cut like hot clips where I just, it's like a highlight of my show or whatever. And I'll put it on places like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and then primarily even TikTok is the, is the newest one because tons of young people are on there all the time just wanting like a 15 to 30 second video. And uh, it's a really easy place where you can get thousands of viewerships really quickly um, just from uploading a short clip. So that's been one of my primary tools uh, of trying to get more people interested and engaged, which is cool to see because um, on TikTok, there's actually been a growing political forum there where people have been posting 15 to 60 second ideas where people can actually uh, consume a lot easier. It's, it's kind of hard for the younger generation to want to sit down and watch uh, or listen to a whole hour long podcast. It's much easier just to consume an idea in 60 seconds and then uh, go on from there and see if they want to engage with it more. Yeah, there's just a, a lack of attention span that, you mm-hmm. know, is so different today than back in the day when we didn't have all these platforms and, and stuff coming at you a million miles an hour. So there's so much competition for people's attention. And I guess I, I would love to be able to say, I couldn't tell you who the CEO of TikTok is. I can tell you who the CEO of Twitter and Facebook. I don't know about Instagram, but um, on that social media uh, issue, I mean, uh, Jack Dorsey and uh, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg have been, uh, as you know, in front of uh, Senate uh, committees regarding the, I think, obvious bias uh, that has taken place over the last couple of years, in particularly 
uh, during the Trump administration and even more so right now. I mean, it's truly Mm -hmm. stunning to see what has transpired. A friend of mine uh, just told me it's kind of like North Korea. I mean, you know, there's there's governmental approved Mm -hmm. messages and I mean, it's not government, although it will be when, if Biden gets in place because they're lock, stock and barrel. I mean, he's putting some of the executives within Facebook and Instagram and then Twitter on his in his administration. And so there's definitely going to be a coordinated effort. But um, is mm-hmm. your view because I remember listening recently to uh, Senator, uh, I forget her name now, Hirono, uh, the, the one from Hawaii. But you know, it was just amazing to me that she, after those uh, hearings, that I thought Ted Cruz and and others uh, did an exceptional job of making the case. And I, it was fun for me to see Mark Zuckerberg and, and Jack Dorsey squirm as they were getting, um, you know, uh, as they were getting, you know, shown in front of all of America to see that they very much have a bias and that there's a coordinated effort and literally a coordinated effort between the platforms, YouTube, and shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that they coordinate. Um, but there's there's words that pop up and, and messages that pop up in a, in a, a behind the scenes communication between those platforms to suppress information that they haven't approved. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, what, what's, what's your view? First of all, do you do you see that there truly is a bias in social media? And if so, what's what's the solution? Yeah, I think it's really I think it's super clear. And I think actually the, the vast majority of Americans uh are, aren't blind to that. What's hard, though, is that I think this, I think this like cultural battle we're going through right now is actually in the in the hands of of, of classical liberals, true liberals, because the right isn't going to fold on its values, and the hard left isn't going to fold on their values. And it's really hard as 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 a, as a liberal to go, okay, I agree with the left on policy prescriptions. I may not agree with some of their tactics. So it's really up to them to to decide. You know what? I I I don't necessarily agree with what the right's saying on politics. I don't agree with their 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 policies on on say abortion for that matter. But you know what? I I want to have them have the right to say that. I don't want them being censored on Twitter. I don't want them being censored on social media in any shape or form. It's two but the the amount of uh, the amount of hypocrisy is is extraordinary, and it's it's really sad to see that how much censorship is actually going on in plain view of the public, and how there's not more of an upcry from from classical liberals. Well, I mean, you, you know, you could count uh, uh, Joe Biden as one of those to, to begin with, yeah. and you know, because you had uh, you know, it seems like a uh, hundred years ago that Bill Clinton was president. It's just going at such a trajectory upward that the 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 tails wagging the dog i mean you know the 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 young uh socialist uh marxists like aoc are are controlling what pelosi and biden are doing mm-hmm. and uh you know the, the, it's interesting because on a positive perspective regardless of what happens with the biden election um and I, I don't even know if we'll have time to go into that because I, I know that you've talked about that at, at great length in some of your videos, and I'm obviously very intrigued as, as well. And I'm not willing to to, to call it uh, you know quits yet, and I don't think the Trump administration should. But uh, the reality is that a lot of those folks. I mean, I think we put, picked up, we flipped at least 13 seats in the U.S. House. 
Um, that was not expected in the slightest. I mean, they were hoping to build on their lead, and we're at a place right now that in 2022 we could actually capture the house and mm-hmm. and and prevent some of this crazy stuff from coming out of a Biden Harris administration. So that's the wonderful side of things, and I think that. What from what I've heard, a lot of those uh, liberal, classical liberal um, uh, candidates who were incumbents said we got absolutely hammered and we lost mm-hmm. our race because of the kinds of uh, policies and uh, rhetoric that was coming out of AOC and folks like her. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like the game of risk. When you go too far and you move too many of your folks off of a country, you become vulnerable. And I think that that has happened at some level um, because of the victory victories that we saw in the U.S. House. And I totally agree with you uh, in terms of the liberals are going to be the ones that are going to have to stand up for the First Amendment and for saying out loud that, no, we don't agree that the Electoral College should be changed or, uh, you know, dismantled. And we don't agree that we should pack the courts and we don't agree, mm-hmm. um, you know, on, on on all of these radical moves that are taking place um, that are from AOC and and her ilk. Um, But, you know, are are the young folks today, are they even aware of, in your view, what the difference between a far left um, individual like AOC um, compared to a classical liberal really is? Do they know that difference? I know my friend group does, but that's mostly just because I don't start talking about it. But I'm, I'm afraid, I'm a little pessimistic because I think that the vast majority of, of young people get most of their political information from Twitter, from Instagram, from social media. And I think social media really only offers a platform for the, the loudest voices from each side, which just happen to be the most radical from each side. And so I think that their view of a conservative is probably the most extreme version of a conservative and their version of a liberal is probably the most extreme version of a liberal or a better term yeah. would be leftist. And uh, so that's that's the really one of the saddest parts about it is that they don't really have the information they need. But I think that most of them fall in between the middle, and I think they I think they're starting to feel a little politically homeless because they'll see they'll look at the left and they'll see this these radical AOC squad type people, and they're like, okay, I definitely don't fit with them. But then they'll look at Trump, and maybe Trump's not very appetizing to them, and they'll go, you know, I don't really fit with him either, and they just kind of feel like they're left out of the loop. No, I get that. And I've I've been a little bit discouraged, actually, in terms of going to Parler instead of Twitter. I mean, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. decent platform, but um, but and I haven't even started the MeWe thing as an alternative to Facebook. I'd like to. Um, my experience so far with Parler has been that um, it's nowhere near as sophisticated, as user friendly. There's a lot of uh, junk on there in terms of, you know, even some pornographic stuff that pops up and you're like, what the heck? You know, it, it seems like uh, whoever uh, started Parler needs to, uh, there's a lot of tweaking that has to take place. And I'd like to think the same thing with MeWe. I mean, it would be nice to, if we didn't have these two universes of, oh, there's mm-hmm. the Facebook people that are going to be liberal and the Twitter people who are going to be more liberal and then the alternatives. We should be able to just have platforms. And I think that that's how we all thought it was originally going to be that there's these platforms that everyone can have good, healthy dialogue and there's not the censoring that that goes on and the absolute bias. And so who knows where that eventually plays out. But what I do know that's played out is is our time here. Uh, I've always said that it it goes by much quicker than I'd like. But Levi, 
what a blessing you are to my um, son and to those in your generation. I just want to thank you for being on the show today, and I look forward to seeing you again, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Jim. Okay. Well, God bless. Thanks for sticking with us, folks. Uh, Levi Erickson is the one that's uh, doing the show. Go to Levi Erickson Show um, at YouTube, and also he's on a po- he's on a podcast as well. And uh, it's encouraging to have folks like him uh, that are up and coming. So God bless. We'll see you next week on Family Matters.